Come on, let's lift up our voices like a trumpet and let's give him the praise. Come on, give him a praise. Hallelujah. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Amen. Anybody excited to be in the place today beside me? Praise God. If you're here today, you're in a great place. So our children are transitioning to children's church. We're going to go. Y'all know where we are. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Good to see you this morning. Praise God. Good to see you this morning. Where are we at? 1 Timothy chapter 3. Yeah. 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's your serve. Amen. Your serve. We're going to deal with this this week and then next week. Don't miss next week. Amen. I'm glad you're here this week, but don't miss next week. First Timothy, what I tell you? All right. Just testing. Just testing. Bear with me a second. Praise God. First Timothy chapter three, trying to get myself together here. Praise God. Praise God. Verses one through seven today. I'm going to read the scripture in our presence. Y'all know, good to see you, man. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you, everybody. Good to see everybody. Good to see everybody here today. First Timothy chapter three. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, it's on the screens. And the Bible says. Amen. Y'all know I try to give kids time to transition to children's church, but. We got a lot of kids. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. The Bible says it is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer. It is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach. The husband of one wife. Temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious. I said, what is that? We'll talk about it. But gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own house well keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the house of the church of God? And not a new convert so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation Incurred by the devil. Y'all see that? And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church. With those outside the church. So that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Praise God. For a few minutes this morning, we're going to continue our teaching on It's Your Serve. Somebody say, It's Your Serve. Yes, Amen. You may be seated in the presence of our life-changing King. God bless you today. 
Praise God. What is essential to God as it relates to the church is order. Somebody say order. Order, order. Order prevents a church from going wild. You don't believe that churches go wild? Just read the scriptures. We, we see churches that went really wild. They, they did what they wanted to do. They wrote their own doctrine. And it produced something that God could not bless because God did not create that. I, I love the teaching that we're diving into for the next week or so because I don't want to assume as a pastor that all of us understand what a church is and how a church is to function. Many of us, we are what we call a interdenominational church, which simply means that many of us have come from many denominations, uh, Catholic, Baptist, Pentecostal, uh, non-denominational, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Kojic, Church of God in Christ, Church of God in Christ, uh, Church of Christ, and the list goes on. Some of us have even come from uh, Muslim backgrounds. Some of us have come from unchurched backgrounds. And, and, and one of the beauties of what we're to do here at the church is we're to teach the Bible. Um, in fact, what we learned a few weeks ago that what, what Paul told Timothy is he said that all scripture is God inspired. This is in 2 Timothy. I don't know where it is. Chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That's teaching which teaches us how to get on the road. Amen. It teaches us on the road that we need to be on for doctrine, for reproof, reproof. It, it shows us where we got off the road. Has anybody ever got off the road before? Amen. Thank God for reproof, which showed us, hey, you got off the road here. And then correction. And Brother Nord, what correction does is it not only gets us back on the road, but it begins to show us how to walk correctly as a child of God. And then of course, lastly, uh, righteousness, which keeps us on the road so that we can exemplify Christ in everything that we do. Uh, the church, the church, we hear the word church. That word is the ecclesia. It means that we've been, watch this now, we've been called out of darkness and we've been called into the marvelous light. Isn't that beautiful? That God, everybody, I don't need to, nobody needs to even try to, Tell me you ain't been in the darkness before. Somebody up here telling me I ain't been in the, you, been, you were born in the darkness. And what God did in his infinite wisdom and his power is he pulled us out of darkness and brought us into the marvelous light of Christ Jesus, our Lord. And what Jesus taught us in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, he says, uh, upon Peter's profession, thou art the Christ, what, what, what Christ then said, upon this rock. Not little rock, but upon the big rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That was a promise of Jesus Christ. Now, I need to point out to you that what he said in that particular instance, we're getting to first Timothy. Uh, he said, I will build my church, which means that the church wasn't built yet. OK, so he says, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail against it. 
Okay, so when we talk about a church, uh, sisters and brothers, what we're talking about is not, y'all know this, it's not just the building, but it's the people. Okay, so when we talk about the church of, of God, we're talking about the people of God. And what I need you to know, if you're part of the church, the gates of hell will not prevail against me and you because we're part of the church. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? That's, a, that's when you know you're in the church is when the gates of hell are not prevailing. Now, the enemy is going to do everything in his power because he is not pleased with the church, as we're going to learn about in a few minutes. He, his idea of the church is to kill, steal, and destroy, according to John's Gospel, chapter 10. Are y'all with me? Okay. So what, 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 ha what, what happened is when the church was birthed, when was the church birthed? It was birthed in the book of Acts. Okay, the book of Acts, where we learn on the day of Pentecost, which was a feast, which brought people from all around the globe to one central place where Jesus told the disciples before he ascended unto heaven, he says, go in the upper room and wait. That's all he told them to do. And in their obedience, 120 of them, Jesus's mother was there. The disciples were there and Jesus did three years of ministry on the earth. And there were only 120 people who were classified as the church who met in the upper room. Y'all believe that? I mean, he did all that preaching and teaching and 120 people was all who went to the upper room. But Brother Tracy, as they were praying, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came and the Holy Spirit came and and, and, and fell on them. And they begin, watch this now, they begin to speak with other languages. Now watch this now, I, I'm not talking about the doctrine of tongues today, but what I need you to understand is that the other languages were understood by the people who were listening. Because they said, aren't these yet Galileans? How are they speaking these languages? What's, are, are they drunk? It was only nine o'clock in the morning. Are they drunk? How am I able to understand what they're saying? Because they were ministering the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ in another language where other people could understand it. It was a miracle of the church where God began to cause ordinary people to speak in another language that other people could understand. Are y'all with me? The church was on fire, man. It was birth. The church at its best is the church at its birth. It, it, it was it was birth. And at that moment, the church was on fire and everything was happening. People were being healed. Demons were being cast out. The church was alive. It was flowing. It was active. And, 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 and what they did is they, they ministered and, and the gospel began to spread because now the church be, began to get, be persecuted. And sometimes watch this now. You can get so comfortable in your place. And God says, I never permit for you to park and be comfortable. I wanted you to go and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So could it be, as I deviate just for one minute, could it be that the opposition that you're facing is to get you out of you so that you can begin to move to let people know about who Jesus Christ is? Everything ain't the devil. All right. <laughs> okay. So there became some challenges in the church as the church was exploding and growing. 
And as Acts chapter 2 teaches us that they went from house to house, they didn't have buildings back then. They went from house to house. That's where they met. They met in houses and they, they ate bread together. They prayed together. They took communion together and they went from house to house and, and, and the church began to explode. It began to grow. And, and, and then later on, much later on in church history, because of the growth of the church, amen, they began to erect buildings, and that was allowed to house the people because the houses were not adequate enough to supply the, the amount of people that were coming. That's a good problem to have. Y'all know we got that problem here. Praise God for that, that our next agenda is to build uh, larger. Not to say we got the biggest church on the block. We ain't all about that, but it's to, to uh, expand for the ministries that God has called us to do in this community and ultimately in this world. Are y'all understanding? Except the Lord build a house, they that build it, labor in vain. Amen. So there, there's some challenges in the church. And we talked about one of the challenges on last week, because in the distribution of the meals to the Hellenistic Jews and to the Hebrew Jews, there arose a murmuring. In other words, there was some complaining going on. OK. And it dealt with um, in other words, they, they, the, the Hellenistics thought that they that, that in other words, there was favoritism. And, and one group of people thought they were being favored over the others, and they began to murmur, and they began to complain. And like I taught you last week, that's not always a bad thing in the church when you hear murmuring and complaining because it's an indication that there needs to be an expansion of ministry. So these apostles, as they got together, they said it's not fit for us to leave the word of God and, and, and serve tables. They were not above serving tables, but they had an appreciation for the word of God. And, and therefore, they said, let's look amongst us and let's find seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. That's what they said. Seven, the number of perfection or completion, however you look at it. But there were seven men that they looked out among the congregation and they found these seven men. And the Bible tells us that they laid hands on these men. They prayed for these men. They had an ordination service and those men went to serve. And as they were serving, something interesting happened. The word of God went forth in boldness and the ministry began to increase. People began to get stronger because there was an appreciation for the word of God. Are y'all understanding this? Amen. So, so we see the church at its birth is the church at its best. And as that was in order, as God began to establish order in the church with the diakonos, who is the servant, the deacon, that's what that word means. In the Latin, it means minister. If we're ministers of the gospel, which all of us are really ministers, that means that we are serving. Okay, we're serving. We, 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 we're not looking cute. We don't have on the flyest suit. We don't have the biggest Cadillac. No, no, no. God's not interested in that. Are you serving? Somebody say serving. So he sets up the order, the diakonia, amen, the, de the, the, the ministry of the deacons, and they're serving and the church begins to grow. Well, now Paul, he begins to uh, uh, set even greater order to what God has in mind. Now, in this church, what I talked about last week with Moses over there in Exodus 18, we talked about Moses and how he leads all these millions of people out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea and then they get to a place where they've never been before. And Jethro, just going back through it real quickly, Moses's uh, father in law, he sees Moses, Greg, one day. He sees him and he sees him judging the people. He sees them take on everything. 
How many of y'all got some problems going on right now? Raise your hand. All right. Thank y'all for being honest. And for those saints saying raise their hand, we'll talk to you after church. I mean, all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. You know, we got some some challenges. Amen. Jesus said in this world, you will have. Amen. <laughs> That's John 16, 33. It's in the scriptures. So uh, if you don't have, just hang on. And, 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 and but 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 here's the good news. You can get through it. But if if I could put it in our terms today, it would be the equivalent of everybody who's here today, who's online or who may not be in attendance because of work out of town, what have you. Everybody came and they said, "Okay, we're going to make a a line going from here to Cody Road and we're going to let pastor know all about our issues and our challenges because we want him to judge the issue. Okay. Uh, after they opened back up Cersei so that I can get in there because uh, of the the challenges that that I face. No, (laughs) no, y'all understand what I'm saying. Anybody that's dealt that much information is going to really drive you crazy. All right. All right. An insight. So Jethro is observing Moses and Moses is doing the, exactly that. He's taking on all the needs of the people. The Bible says from sun up to sundown, he's judging the people all day. No time for anything except judging the people. And finally, Jethro gives him some counsel. And he says, you, you're going to wear yourself out doing this all yourself. So they looked among the congregation and they found 70 elders. 70 elders to help with the issue that was going on. Why? So that Moses could be in tune and hear from God. Okay. let me let me before I even get into where I'm getting today, I just need to say this. Um, I thank God for order in this church. Um, We have some outstanding elders in this church. You saying that because you and I ain't saying that because I'm the pastor. I love these men and, and I appreciate them. I appreciate them dearly. They 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 handle business, <laughs> you know, according to God's way. The deacons, the members, uh, God has orchestrated something that is so beautiful in his church that it literally almost brings you to tears. It's like, Lord, this is incredible. And when everybody identifies their gifting and ability, I don't care how old you are, I don't care how young you are, what condition you're in, when God has blessed you with the gifting and you begin to function in the body with that gifting, it's good for everybody. But everything starts at the head. Okay? Now let let me qualify this so I can get into the teaching today. I am not the head of the church. Somebody asks you, hey, who's the head over there at New Generation Church? Jesus. (laughs) Please don't tell them that Pastor Thomas is the head because he is not the head. All right. Jesus is the good, the great and the chief shepherd. I'm the under shepherd. All right. I'm I'm an under shepherd. I know the Bible uses the word pastor uh, synonymous with shepherd sometimes. But but you need to get that in context and understand that even the pastor needs a shepherd. Amen. A pastor without a shepherd is not a pastor. Now I'm talking about the shepherd. <laughs> OK. All right. Uh, so so you have uh, the, the pastor. And in, in this particular church, we have elders. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Last week, we dealt with the, the, the deacons or those who serve uh, beginning in verse eight. But we're going to back up to verse one. And I want you to understand this, because if we're not serving as leaders, uh, I love what one minister says. He says that 
a mist in the pulpit becomes a fog in the pews. So in other words, if, if, if the leadership is asking me to serve, they ain't serving. And they asking me to serve, I don't, I don't never see them serving. Somebody said that's a problem. Amen, amen, amen. All right, praise God. That was the introduction, y'all. So let me get into our message here. So, so, so Paul, uh, who's writing to Timothy, and Timothy is the pastor of Ephesus. Now, Ephesus has some issues, y'all. You're talking about a church that has some issues. And there were people who, uh, what Jude says, they, 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 they come in unawares. And they snuck in for the sole purpose of, um, uh, of attempting to distort truth. Okay? That's one of the goals of the enemy. His goal, he knows that, uh, he, he knows that all he needs to do is just throw in a little doubt. All right. He may not be able to get you on the truth, but he'll hit you what he hit Adam and Eve with. Did God really say? OK. And you go entertaining that, scratching your head, not going back to your word to find out if God said it. And before you know it, you caught up in something that you never should have been caught up in. OK. So so the word correct. Somebody say the word corrects. So this is going to correct maybe any theology that we've had about uh, what it means to serve as a as a as an elder or a deacon or elder in this particular in, in, in church. So in verse one, it says, let me read this. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. So what he's saying, he said, look, if somebody has the desire to be a some version, say a bishop or overseer, he says, that's a fine work. That's a great thing that they want to do. So what does this term overseer or bishop mean? I need you to uh, stay with me because sometimes when we hear this word overseer, we hear bishop. We automatically think about maybe a man who's got a big old scepter or something and he's got a big old hat. And, 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 and that's not the intent of what God is meaning here. Can I correct some of our theology? Y'all either going to be mad at me after this or y'all going to love me. So. Either way, I'm going to love you, so it's all good. But um, episkopos, that's, that's the Greek word for overseer or bishop or pastor. All these are synonymous with one another. When we talk about an overseer or a bishop or a pastor in this verse, that's exactly what Paul is talking about. He's talking about the episkopos, which literally means over watcher and overseer. Are y'all with me? Okay. So episkopos, y'all know we probably get the word. Well, we don't probably, we do get the word episcopalian. Okay. A denomination, which is overseen by bishop is a, a kind of a bishop structure. But what he's saying, he says, look, anybody that desires to be in that capacity, they desire a good work. He makes that known right off the bat. Now let's go deeper because in verse two, he says, as he gets into the qualifications of a elder. And let me say this, that I believe what we're about to read and go into as just as last week, these qualifications, although they're for elders and deacons, it should be for everybody. OK, uh, <laughs> I mean, you don't want to say, oh, that's just for the elder and deacon. OK, oh, one of the things we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, the husband of one wife. Oh, that's just for the elders and deacons. No, that's for you, too. To be respectable. Oh, that's just for the elders. No, that's for you. These are really leadership qualities 
that can transfer to all of us who make up the church. Are you with me? All right. So let's look into these quickly. Here we go. An overseer, that's our word, episkopos, then must be above reproach. Above reproach. I want to go through these quickly. Uh, some versions say blameless. And, and this word literally means, I need to get this right, nothing to hold on, uh, hold upon. There must be nothing in his life that others can take hold and attack the church. Okay, so when we talk about an elder, a pastor or a bishop being above reproach, we're basically saying that we can't get a handle on them. Now, you know how church folks can be, right? If they get a hold of something the leader is doing, it's going to get out even before Facebook get it. But that's important in the church because that becomes a distraction if a pastor, an elder, or a bishop has a lifestyle where people can point out clearly the errors that they're living in. Now, God forgives us of sin. I'm not saying uh, something that, 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 that we did before, but, but we, we're transformed. You think about the Apostle Paul for a minute. He was a mass murderer. So we could get a hold to his lifestyle by pointing out that, wait a minute, this man don't need to be ruling over nobody because he's a mass murderer until he met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, <laughs> everything changed. Everything changed in that man's life, so much so that, 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 that he, was, he, re, he gives us the majority of the New Testament scriptures. So there is opportunity for redemption. I'm not saying that, but for somebody who's being considered or maybe even in the office of an elder pastor, a bishop, and you can get a hold to them. Well, I saw them, I saw them at the club. What are you doing at the club, first of all? And then secondarily, you know, yeah, you're asking a good question. What is the elder doing at the club? Okay. Are y'all with me? Oh, I was in there evangelizing. Okay. Okay, then. So it must be blameless. Somebody say blameless. blameless. Got to be blameless. All right. And, and as we talked about earlier, the, he goes on to say in the scripture, he says. I'm going through these. He says above reproach or blameless, the husband of one wife. We talked a little bit about that last week. OK, because. Um, the, the deacon has the same responsibility, the husband or one wife. I think obvious reasons we know why that's important. OK, number one, uh, in this day of, of that Paul is writing this, there are a couple of things going on. Polygamy in the Roman culture is basically accepted. In, in the Roman culture, notice all this stuff comes out of Rome, y'all. Uh, it's basically accepted that, that you can uh, be married to more than one, one woman. Uh, also, what's accepted is a, as leaders now, they accepted the fact that you could have mistresses. Okay? You can have mistresses. So you might have a wife and two mistresses. Um, what, what the husband of one wife means is it, it, the, it, that the biblical leader is not to be a playboy, an adulterer, a flirt. And does not show, watch this, romantic or sexual interest in other women. In including, uh, watch this now, the deception images of pornography. Yeah. 
Are y'all hearing me? None of that is acceptable for someone who is going to oversee God's most precious vessel. Now, I think this is a good time. I wasn't going to do this to later, but let me do it now. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Every time we have an elders meeting, we meet uh, quarterly or as needed. So we actually meet more than that. But but Acts 20, 28, this is the verse we start with when we begin our reading. Acts 20, 28. Now, this is Paul, and this is the last time that he's going to see the Ephesian elders. This is the last time he's going to see the Ephesian elders. Are you in Acts chapter 20? Watch this in verse 28 now. Paul is, is, is basically his swan song to the Ephesian elders. He'll never see them again. He's at Miletus, and he's not going to see them anymore. But watch what he says. He says, be on guard for yourselves. And for all the flock, here it is, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Who made them overseers? The Holy Spirit. Pastor picked them because they're good friends. You better, we better get rid of that. Pastor picked them because they got a nice paycheck coming in. You better get, you know that. And, and that does happen in some churches, but not in this church. Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to what to shepherd the church of God how valuable was it which was purchased with his own blood who is his capital in that statement Jesus he's saying the task that you have been given is so important that it's been paid for with the blood of Jesus therefore you need to take it seriously are y'all understanding We've been paid for with the blood of Jesus and anything that has been paid for with the blood of Jesus deserves the utmost attention. So that's why we, you know, we, we can't have uh, somebody who doesn't is, is not faithful to his wife. A mist in the pulpit becomes a fog in the pews. The pastor's out of order doing things he ain't need to be doing. He can't stand up before the people and truly say unto them what thus says the Lord. Wouldn't I be a hypocrite if I did that? Now, I got a fine wife, y'all. Y'all continue to pray for me, but, but I'm all right. I done had temptation from the north, from the south, from the east, and from the west. But I think about my fine wife. I said, God, I'm good. I, you can tell the devil. You, got, you know you ain't got no business, man. I'm good. <laughs> the next thing he says is, and, and, and a, a bishop, pastor, or elder must be uh, temperate. And the, the idea of someone who is not, not given to extremes, okay? You got to be temperate. They, they, they are reliable and trustworthy, and you don't have to worry about the wide swings of vision, mood, or action. That means when, we, uh, when elders come to the table and they're discussing the business of the church, you're not bringing in what happened to you on your job today. Or you're not casting vision that is ungodly. God ain't told you nothing about what you're telling the people, and therefore now you got them out there believing something that God ain't even give you. 
Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? All right, just, just, just all, all, off, all, all offbeat. So you got to be above reproach. You got to be the husband of one wife. You got to be temperate. What's next? If y'all follow along with me. You got to be prudent. Okay, you got to be prudent. That, that describes the person who is able to think clearly with clarity. Um, they, they, they are not constantly joking, always joking. Now, we have fun and we joke. But when it comes to matters that need our sincere attention as an elder, you can't be joking about that. Why? Because people's lives are at stake. People's eternity are at stake. Is that to say that elders can't have fun? Of course we can. The, the office of an elder. But, but, but when it comes to serious matters of the church, when it comes to caring for the flock that has been paid for with the blood of Jesus, that's no joking matter. Got no time to joke for that. But y'all understand what I'm saying? Just trying to reestablish our theology as it relates to how churches should function. Okay? How churches should function. The next one is respectable. That's exactly what it means. Uh, respectable not only in the church, but outside the church. All right? We know you're in the church. Man, you look great. Clean this man out. Amen. We, we love you. But we hear report about you not being respectable in the community, that's a problem. Because that's a reflection on the, the church, a reflection on the church, of course, but more importantly, it's a reflection on Jesus Christ. So we have to be respectable. We have to have a, a reputation of, of being respectable. God, he didn't say, just close your eyes and pick who you want. No, he said, I need to set some criteria because this is important business as it relates to the church. Are y'all understanding this? Even in your own life, you need to be respectable. If you're a child of God, you need to be respectable to people. You shouldn't have a, a, a reputation of not being respectable as a child of God. Next one is hospitality, right? Um, this means they are, I love this, and we're going to go to a scripture here, a couple of scriptures, but, but they are willing and able to open up their homes to both friends, strangers, and, 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 and they do that without being um, mad about it. Okay. <laughs> if I could say it like that. But it's the, it's the gift of hospitality. Okay. You're able to open up your area and you're able to invite people in. Okay. You're able, you're able to prepare a meal before people and sit down and eat with them and listen to them. Hospitality is so important. And I know many of us maybe grew up in a generation. Here we go. Uh, I, ain't letting no, I ain't letting them spirits in my house. I ain't doing all that. Well, well wait a minute now. Wait a minute. I, when people say that, I say, wait a minute. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. If God has ordered you to open up your house and be hospitable to people, open up your house and be hospitable towards them. You might even find an occasion where you're going to deal with the demon that's in that person and it needs to get out of them. Can I say amen? amen. This happened. This happened. We need to be hospitable. Go to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 quickly. 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 9 and 10. Uh, beautiful scripture on hospitality. I just don't want nobody in my house. I mean, I got to put some stuff up when they come. <laughs> what you doing with it out anyway? My house ain't never clean. I don't want nobody. Peter says, be hospitable 
This is one of the one another's, right? Be hospitable to one another without what? I didn't make that up. Do y'all see that? Be hospitable to one another without complaint as each one. And we'll get this. This will be kind of for next week. But as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Beautiful scripture. You got two one another's there. Be hospitable to one another. Serve one another. Here's a challenge for the believer or the Christian. Open up your home and invite somebody over for dinner. <laughs> somebody say, I don't know where we're going. Where, where am I, where am I st- starting your church? Invite somebody over. Say, hey, what you doing today? I got some extra water I can pour in this gravy. But it's not about the food, right? It's about the hospitality. Now, see, this was real prevalent in those days because they didn't have a Holiday Inn or uh, a Kenta or Battle House. They didn't have all that back in back back in the day on that level. So people would come and they would they would they would stay at somebody's house. I think with even the, in the generation of some of the folk here, I hear all the time that the pastors of old that would be traveling pastors, they would come and they they would have a room dedicated to the pastor in the house. And even a plate. The kids at the table looking mean because he got the biggest piece of chicken, but that, <laughs> but they were being hospitable. They were preferring somebody else over themselves. Are y'all with me today? And see, sometimes we don't know who we're entertaining. Hebrews chapter uh, 13, verse 1 and 2, you can write it down. It says this, it says, let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Why? For by this, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Isn't that beautiful? We might have entertained angels without even knowing it. Abraham in Genesis 18, you can go back and read it in your time. But he entertains three men, but they were angels and they were there to come to set order at Sodom and Gomorrah. And man, he served them. He opened up his house to them. He told Sarah, hey, we got to prepare a meal for for these men. And he, he basically set it out for them. Let's do that. God has blessed us with uh, apartments and homes. And and is it just for us? I knew I was going to have either lemons thrown at me. But but it's all good. They must be able to teach. Now, when we talk about an elder able to teach, remember, that was the distinguishing factor between the elder and the deacon is the elder, he has to be able to teach. Uh, So not necessarily uh, teach to a congregation, although that is important, but he can teach one-on-one, you know, to somebody who needs to know about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. But he has to have the ability to be able to teach. You remember in those first seven deacons, there were two that stand out, and and there there was Philip, and watch this now, because Philip... Although he started out as a deacon, he's identified as the Bible as we continue reading, particularly over there, I believe, in Acts chapter uh, eight. He's identified as Philip the evangelist. 
So here's my point. He was faithful serving where God had placed them, placed him. And watch this. If God's going to promote you, you better make sure it comes from God. Don't try to get a, a, a business card printed with evangelist, apostle on it, and God hasn't anointed you to be that. That's going to make things very difficult and very hard. you got to be under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do what God has called you to do. Watch this now. Don't get so tied up in the title of pastors and elders and deacons, because if God has graced you to be a cleaner of the church, be the best cleaner you can be, because God will bless you simply for being that. David said, Man, I, was, I, wanna, I just want to watch the door in the house of the Lord. Be a doorkeeper. And, and, and sometimes we can get, watch this now, and I need to say this, although I'm getting the structure of the church, we don't need to get tied up in the tags and titles. You know, I'm a bishop, so wait, come on, man. Really? So that means you no. whatever you do for the Lord, Colossians 3.23, do whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. And watch this. The Lord will reward you. So if the Lord has graced you to serve as a greeter, he's graced you to serve in the parking lot, he's graced you to serve in the audio ministry, in the worship ministry, wherever the Lord has placed you as an evangelist, as one who is a prayer, do it well for the glory of God. It's not about big eyes and little U's. It shouldn't be about that in the kingdom of God. Do you know in the old church when we hear a lot about um, uh, sometimes there'll be reference to master slave relationships. Uh, what comes to mind in the book of Philemon, there was one named uh, Onesimus and he was an escaped slave. And what 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 Paul was attempting to do was to reconcile that relationship because when we think of master-slave relationships, it, it was nothing like what we think about in our common day uh, society. Masters and slaves, they worship together. Many people voluntarily enter into slavery to pay a debt. So it wasn't uncommon to see an elder and then even a slave sitting on the front row of a church worshiping together. It wasn't that type of relationship. See, see, love will cause you to abound and, 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 and go a whole nother level than, than our ordinary thinking. That's why we have to walk in the spirit so we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh because our flesh always wants to pull us back to something that will hold us down and not cause us to advance in the things that God has called us to advance in. Are y'all hearing me? So everything, watch this now. I need to say this. It needs to be filtered through what God said in his word not history books even. Y'all hearing me? You can't, you can't hold something against somebody that happened to you in a generation you wasn't born in. What are we dealing with here? It's a message for another day. Let me keep it moving. All right. Um, verse 3. Not addicted. Are y'all all right this morning? Are y'all learning something? All right. All right. Just taking my time this morning. Not addicted to wine, verse 3. Now, the deacon had the same responsibility. Why not addicted to wine? Go to uh, Proverbs 23. Let me show you something. Somebody said, what's wrong with, you can have some wine? Well, here, he's, he's really talking about not being consumed with wine. Okay? And let me show you what wine does. I know, maybe we got some ex-wine drinkers 
in the place. But go to verse 29. Watch this now. Showing you scripture. Watch this now. Are you in Proverbs 23, 29? Watch this. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? It's in your Bible. Those who linger long over wine. Those who go to taste mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. It sounds like a commercial, doesn't it? Watch this. At the last, here it is, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your mind will utter perverse things. And you will be like one who lies down in the middle of the sea or like one who lies down on the top of the mast. They struck me. But I did not become ill. They beat me, but I did not know it. When shall I awake? I will seek another drink. As an elder, as a believer, we need not to be drunk with wine. Paul, Paul, Paul taught us that. I believe over there in Ephesians, um, I want to say chapter 5. He said, in fact, go there. I want, I want you to take my word for it. Go to, go to Ephesians. I want, to, I want to tie this all together. How does 5.18 look? Let me see if that's where I want to be. Ephesians 5.18. Is that it? Okay. Watch this. This is, this is Paul. This is to the New Testament church. Go back and read Proverbs 23 when you can. For those of us who have heavily indulged in wine, there have been some times where you, where did, where did I get this from? I mean, it's, 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 it's like a viper. That's a good word that, that's used in the scriptures, man. It'll, it'll mess us up. And we think it's drowning our sorrows when that's Christ's job to do that, the Holy Spirit job. But for some reason, the enemy has tricked some of us into thinking that I can drown my sorrows by getting drunk. Or getting high. And do not get drunk with wine. For that is dissipation, but be filled. Here it is with what? Do y'all see that? What we need to be filled with? Man, there's no wine that can handle what the spirit of God can do for you. There's no high that, that, that can be achieved by any wine, regardless of what proof it is. Because the Holy Spirit can take us to a whole nother level. And it keeps our, mind, our minds sound. We got to be ready at all times as ministers because we never know when, when, when the Lord is going to use us for an assignment. And if we're drunk and we're intoxicated and somebody comes up to us, we're not in a position to witness to them. I will never forget when I the first time I told you all my testimony. First time I rode a float on the Mardi Gras. 
I remember the first time I was so excited, man, there on Congress Street, and I'm participating in everything else everybody else is participating in. And I got angry when I saw somebody at my church at the time who was in leadership drinking the same thing I was drinking. <laughs> I said, wait a minute, I, I can do this. You, what? And I'm saying this to myself, but I was I'll never forget that image. Never forget that image. And it was then that God quickened my spirit. And he was, he was working on me then getting that stuff out of me personally. That was my story. But he was getting it out of me because he understood that there was a greater calling and I couldn't allow wine or anything else to hold me down. Now, God used me in an industry for almost 20 years that that participated in the sale of alcohol. And man, I was trying to get out of that. Once the Lord removed the taste two years in my job, I said, OK, God, I'm not drinking anymore. I guess I need to get out of here. He said, nope. And he used me for the next 18 years to minister to people in a place that needed the light of Jesus. And I'll never forget that. I'm trying to get out. I'm applying places. I'm calling people. Hey, all you got to do is show up. You got the job. Well, I drive and there's a traffic jam and I show up late and they say, well, if you're showing up late, we can't give you this job because you can't even come to the interview on time. Had the job. And I can't tell you how many times that happened to me. I'm not here to talk about that. But what I am saying is, man, when you choose to let go of that, which you think you have to have, God will replace it with something much greater. Can I get a witness in this place today? I just got to. No, you ain't got to do nothing. Got to let go and let God begin to fill you. So not addicted to wine. Uh, I'm going to pick this up. Uh, Pugnacious. That simply means someone who doesn't fight. That's what that word means. Uh, One version says not a striker. OK, you're hot. You're hot headed. You're te- everything. Somebody say you're ready to fight. You looked at me funny. I'm ready to fight because I looked at you. I was just I was just seeing what kind of shirt you had. I like the shirt. <laughs> Not pugnacious, but 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 gentle. Watch this. Peaceable. Here it is. Free from. We talked about this last week. Free from money. Free from the love of money. In, in, in chapter six, Paul, he deals with that. He says it's, it's the love of money. That's the root of all kinds of evil, not money itself. Amen. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of? of the church of God. The first ministry in every elder's responsibility is not New Generation Church. My first ministry as a pastor elder of New Generation Church is not New Generation Church. It's my family. That's my first ministry. For, for uh, Elder Mike, first ministry is his family. All, all the elders who make up the elders council here, our, and we, we, we preach that our first ministry are our families. Wouldn't it look foolish if we had a thriving ministry, which we do, amen, in the name of Jesus, and, and, and things at home were deteriorating? Y'all be like, man, what's wrong with pastor's wife? She always uh, looking some kind of way. 
And I'm going to say, okay, what y'all doing looking at her, not listening to the message? <laughs> no, no. My point is simply this. It's, it's, it, it becomes a, a, a fog in the pews if there's episodes in our lives as leaders that get in the way of leading the church. Okay? And, and we understand that. We know that. And, and the door is open if at any time. If, if there's challenges where we have to step away for a minute, we don't judge that, but we welcome that because we understand the importance of it. And that's to be respected, you know, by God. OK, I love the story of Noah, man. Noah preached 120 years. And you know who got saved? His family. It was only eight out of all them people that were there. He preached and he would say, you know what, I'm going to make sure. Uh, Minister Thomas, he said, I'm going to make sure that my family is saved before anybody else. Bring this to a close. He must not be a, I love this, a new convert. Why? So that he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation. Watch this. Incurred by the devil. That, that, that stuck out to me as I was reading this. I was like, man, you know the devil is going to be involved. Any, anything that promotes the growth of a church, not only numerically, but also in the health of the church, the enemy is going to show his head. Okay? He's always after the ones with the ball. If you're carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's after you because he doesn't want you to succeed in what you are doing. But there can't be a new convert. There can't be someone who connects with uh, the church as a new believer. I've given my life to Christ. And then two weeks later, they become an elder. That doesn't work. And he tells us exactly what's going to happen. He says they're going to get puffed up in pride and they're going to get conceited. And they're going to go around telling people, I'm an elder at New Generation. I'm an elder. I'm an elder. I'm an elder. And then when the fall comes, can't be a new convert. Okay. How many of you know that when, 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 when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, let me ask this question. Did things automatically get better for you? It's, it's, it's the progression. Instantly in our spirit, when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, instantly in your spirit. This is the part that we forget sometimes progressively in our soul. OK, what about my uh, you've been smoking cigarettes for 20 years. What God begins to do, he begins to remove that out of your mouth. The taste. You, you didn't know how to talk to people that talk any kind of way to you. He begins to work on you. Now the Holy Spirit is present in you and you, you find yourself uh, getting ready to say something. You can't even say it because the Holy Spirit has taken over your language. And then people look at you and say, wait a minute, we, like they did Paul, they said, man, we're not going to go anywhere near Paul because he's a mass murderer. But what they didn't know is Paul spent some time in Arabia where he was being conditioned to be the next person that God called him to be. Saul, then he went to Paul. So it, it, the devil, he's interested in people being puffed up and being prideful in position. And you got to be careful, people of God, that he will he will try to use a tag and title to get you outside yourself. That's why we have to remain humble, regardless of what you're doing. It, 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 it shouldn't matter. You got to remain humble. And I thank God for humble leaders in this church. Humble people in this church. You mean you talk to some people and you find out, say, I didn't even know that about you. You rolling like that? I didn't even know that. Why? Because they're humble. Y'all understand what I'm saying? And then lastly, watch this. And, and he must have.
have a good reputation. We talked about this in terms of respect with those outside the church. Why? So that he will not fall into reproach. And there's that devil again. And the snare of the devil. You must have a good reputation. Reputations hold you accountable to what other people are saying about you. Okay, hold you accountable. We, we, we can't be uh, men of business who's caring for the business of the church while ripping people off in the community. That elder goes to your church. Man, don't you know he quoted me a hundred times the quote that I got? You're not, you're not going to hear that. We got some honest businessmen in this church. So I'm just I'm just telling you that, that it goes a long way because the, the people's view outside. It matters. We're representing Christ Jesus. OK, we're representatives of him. So so what, what, what pastor, what, what do I do now knowing that the structure of the church is set up in such a way? Where uh, their elders write down Titus chapter one, I ain't have time to go in there, but that's what Paul did when he went. Uh, to, uh, uh, he told Titus, one of the first things I want you to do is set up elders. They were in Crete where everything was wrong. Everything was wrong. Even the old, uh, other Cretans were saying that they're, that, they're, that, they're, that they're not right. So he says, what I need you to do is set order. The whole premise of this message, people, is in our lives for them to flow and to function as God has created our lives to function we have to have order. If you're out of relationship with Jesus Christ, you, you, you're in disorder. That's why you have to rededicate yourself to him and say, Lord, I've been out of order. I'm rededicating my life. I'm doing again what I should have been doing. I'm giving you my whole life in the church. See, when you have order in yourself, then there's order in the church because you come in as a person who understands order. You want people coming through that door and because they have success in the world, uh, I need my own parking space and I need my own seat. Um, and and, and I, it, OK, man, we, we love you. We thank God for you. But we don't do that around here. Jesus says the least of them will be greater. The least of them will be greater. So continue to pray for your leadership. Pray for not only leadership in this church, but in all churches open in the name of Jesus, that God would establish godly order. Because, man, I'm telling you, we can win people to Christ in these last days. Isn't it amazing that Christ found us where we were? I don't know what you were. You were whosoever. Drunk, drug addict, adulterer, whatever you were. And the mystery is that God sent Jesus Christ into the earth, the God man. And he walked in the earth victorious over every temptation he would face to show us how it could be done through him. Man, that's why when you've been redeemed, you need to you need to we, we need to celebrate that. It's not us, but man, I'm not where I used to be. And it's not that I'm better than anybody else, but it's that God loved me so much that he found me right where he, where I was. And he didn't judge me, but he picked me up with his hands and he began to form and shape me into the person that he so desires for me to be. That's a beautiful thing, people. That's a beautiful thing. I know. And many of us, what? what we, and all of us will be in progress until he returns. Amen. We're saved. We're being saved. And one day we will be saved. 
the three progressions of salvation, man, where you'll be whole, complete, and every tear that you cried on this earth will be bottled up and you will remember, amen, what you've been through, but you'll never have to go through it again because God is an everlasting God and he desires for us to spend eternity with him forever. Isn't that a beautiful thing? He finds us right where we were. So if you're used to be, that's okay. All of us have been used to bees. But on that one day, man, when he spoke to our hearts, when the gospel message hit us, and we say, I can love my enemy? Yeah, I'm going to show you how to do it. I don't have to rob people anymore. I can, I can, I can be a giver and, and not always a receiver. Yes, I'm going to show you how to do it. I can experience salvation, life eternally through Jesus Christ. I can be a vessel in my church, exercising my gifts and abilities for the betterment of the body. Yes, I'm going to show you how to do that. It's a beautiful thing, people. When we surrender, man, God comes in and he takes over and he does in us what he's always wanted to do. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor have entered into the hearts of men the things that God wants to do for you. And so much more. So much more. Father, we bless your name today. We thank you for your grace and we thank you, Lord, that your plans for us are ordered by you, God. For I know the plans that I have for you, Lord. We hear you saying it. I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, to give you a hope or an expected end. Thank you for that today, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord, for order. Thank you for order in this church. And we pray, Lord, that even amongst the enemy's attacks, that you keep us as a church of order. Keep us focused on the cross at Calvary, Lord God, because that's where everything was set in order, God. We thank you, Lord God. God, we repent from any dead works, anything we picked up through bad teaching or through, through, through wanting to uh, transform the word into what we wanted to say, Lord. We rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we lift up every leader, not only in this church, but in every church that's open in the name of Jesus. We pray for bishops, for pastors. We pray for the presbytery, Lord God, those who are leading in ministry, God. We pray for worship leaders, Lord God. We pray for everybody who serves in a capacity of leadership. And God, we pray for the flock that's been paid for by the precious blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for bringing us out of darkness into the marvelous light. Oh, God, I thank you. We're not who we used to be. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you that we're, you're working on us, God. You're working on our hallelujah. Man, thank you that we've been redeemed. We want to get it right, God, and we know that teaching, your doctrine, your, your teaching, not what we think, not what somebody else said. What do you say, God? We thank you for correction today. As you continue to lead us and direct us in the path of righteousness. Now, listen, you're here today. Every head bow, every 